pastor is not here this morning. He's in Manteca at our mother church, CWC Manteca, with Bishop Steve Perea. And I know that they're having an awesome time. But here we are in this place and here to honor God. And also online, we welcome you, those who are tuning in today. Also, um, today is the start of a new series. And this new series is called uh, Journey to Freedom. Journey to Freedom. And these messages are going to correspond with a song. And the songs are by a gospel recording artist, Zach Williams. Um, If you don't know his music, I really encourage you to hear. Um, He has an awesome testimony, and he just he just really has um, a favor in this part of just breaking off things, and so he has an anointing in that. And so um, today I will be preaching a message from his song "Slave to Nothing," "Slave to Nothing," and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So my first point is slaves, slaves. Romans 6, 16 in the New Living Translation says this. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Listen to this quote. It says this. A person is a slave to that of that to which he gives obedience or that which he recognizes as his master. Now, the Apostle Paul, he wrote these words in Romans 6, 16, and he was writing to an audience that would clearly understand the cruelty of slavery. Because in that Roman society, in the Roman kingdom, There was over 40% of the population were slaves. They were slaves of the territory that Rome had conquered. And so it was a very common thing that there were slaves in society. In fact, you could go out in the streets of Rome and you could see the auction block for slaves. There would be people being offered up, being sold and bought as slaves. And so this was an analogy that the Apostle Paul used, but it was very familiar it was very familiar to the people that he was writing to, but not so much to us anymore. I mean, we don't really know the concept of slavery in our society like they did. And so we have to understand what Paul meant when he said that we would be slaves to sin. A few years back, Pastor and I went to the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. And if you don't know about it, there is a Mob Museum in Las Vegas. I would recommend it if you're a history lover like me. I love history. And you can go and check it out. Um, the area is not that great, so be a little bit cautious when you go out there. It's in the old town of uh, Las Vegas. But the Mob Museum has the history of the mob in the United States. And so how it works is that there are three floors. And so the top floor starts with the beginnings of the mobs and the mob. And it goes all the way back to Italy, the, where it first started and came to the America. And so you start on the first floor, and then every floor consecutively down is a different time era. 
And so when you end up on the first floor, it is talking about and giving information on the mob or organized crime today. Today. And so you see and read information on syndicates, on the cartel, and also cyber crime. And it may be surprising to grasp that slavery is alive and well in our present day. According to a Christian organization nonprofit headed by Christine Kane, the A21 program, um, on A21.org, and I recommend you check that out if you care about this issue. Human trafficking is the illegal trade of human beings. It is the recruitment, control, and use of people for their bodies and for their labor. Through force, fraud, and coercion, people everywhere are being bought and sold against their will right now in the 21st century. Here are some more statistics that they report. There are more people enslaved today than any other time in history. There is an estimated 40.3 million people enslaved right now all over the world. Human trafficking generates an average of $150 billion per year. Now, it's interesting to know, as I've read the book of Revelation, when you read the book of Revelation, it talks about the fall of Babylon. And that the fall of Babylon in the book of Revelation is symbolic of world commerce or world trade. And in chapter 18, when it's talking about all the wares, all the things that are being bought and sold in the world at, and in the future time to come, it mentions people. That people are being bought and sold. And so after the rapture of the church, human slavery will continue to be an increasing grievance of mankind. Let me tell you a story about a young girl named Dodzi. It is a common one in Ghana, Africa. Dodzi was orphaned at nine months old and lived with her grandmother, who served as her guardian. Her grandmother had a lot on her plate as she was also taking care of eight other children. At the age of eight, Dodzi was sold by her grandmother into slavery due to poverty. She was forced into the slavery, fishing slavery that is done on Lake Volta, which is the largest man-made reservoir in the world. She was forced to work on dangerous fishing boats and did things like bailing out water, paddling the canoe, and casting and pulling in the fishing nets. Really adult labor. Dazi was also pressured into doing other dangerous tasks like untangling the nets while they were still in the water. It would not be uncommon for children to die doing this, and children have died doing that. This poor girl was then forced to cook for her owners and to work nonstop around the clock. She was even forced into a marriage with another slave against her will. She had no way out, no chance to escape. She was hopelessly stuck. Her masters were cruel and didn't care for her one bit. Dazi was under the threat of violence, at any time she could be abused or any time she could be starved. She was a slave 
slave that lived according to her master's whim, will, and wishes. Similar to Dodsey, we had no way out. We could not free ourselves from sin, nor pay for our release. The price was too great. We could never do it. Worse yet, we could not run away or escape. We couldn't even think about rebelling, for we were not strong enough to break sin's control. Our master's sin did not care about us either. It didn't care about the destruction it did in our lives, the hate, the lust, the theft, the lying, the coveting, coveting that it would create for us and others. Sin's friends, death, and the devil didn't care either. In fact, they were just as ruthless and bad. We were slaves to sin. This was our lot in life. Paul used the illustration of the horror of slavery to give us a wake-up call of our true state, that we are slaves to sin. Jesus, while talking to the Jewish leaders and to the people in the temple on one occasion, he said the only way to be free was to follow him and obey his teachings. The Jewish people were taken aback and they were insulted. They said, we've never been slaves. I guess they forgot about their time in Egypt, right? Jesus replied in John 8, 34 and 36. He said this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. Sin, a slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. So if the son, capital S-O-N, sets you free, you are truly free. Right? Amen? Can anybody say amen? That Jesus has freed us. When I was small, I'm the youngest of my family. I'm the baby. And so... I had uh, my brother, older brothers and my sister. And so they would say to me, you know, often they would say, hey, let's play a game. And I'd be like, yeah, let's play a game. And I was excited because, you know, I was a little on the naive side and I was happy that you were paying attention to me. And they said, okay, we're going to play the game waitress. And I was like, oh, okay. And so they would give me a pad, a little pad of paper, a little notebook, and they would give me a pencil. And so they'd say, okay, this is our order. And so I would write it down, and they, and they would say, okay, we want a toast with cinnamon and butter, and this is the drink we want. And so I'd write it down, and then I would go happily into the kitchen, and I'd prepare for them whatever they wanted, and then I'd bring it out to them. And I, it would be like, ah, you know, this is awesome. And I had no idea they were making me their slave, right? <laughs> now, confession of you older brothers and sisters, did you ever do that? <laughs> it's okay, you can confess, I'm healed, I'm healed, I, I, I've already forgiven them. But it's like us, that we don't even know in the time of our enslavement, in the time of bondage, even at times today, we don't even know that we are slaves. 
We don't even realize it because we're bound up. We don't have that, that knowledge that, hey, this is something that's harming me. This is something that's hurting me. This is something that is not for my best interest. And so that's why Paul had to give us a stark illustration that he said, whoever sins is a slave of sin. And he wanted us to know this was not a good state. This is not something that Jesus wanted for us. He didn't want us to be a slave of sin. So let's talk about sin. Romans 3.23 says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin is described in the Greek as missing the mark. It's like God, he placed this holy, this holy target. And, and there was no way that we could ever hit the bullseye. He gave the law, and he gave his law, and and he said, this is the standard of holiness, because guess what? God's standard of holiness is completely different than our ideas of holiness. And he said, this is the standard, this is the mark. This is what you have to attain if you want to be holy. And we might say, well, I, I live a pretty good life. I try to do what's good. I try to do what's right. But we will never hit that mark because God's standard of holiness is complete holiness. To hit that target, we would have to, we would have to keep all of God's law 24-7 from the beginning of our life to all the way to the end of our life. And you may say, Pastor D, that's impossible for anyone to do. Right. Yes. Exactly. We will never hit the mark. That's the realization that we have to understand. We will always fall short. We will never be good enough. But that's why Jesus Jesus came. That's why the Father sent Jesus to be born of a woman, but his so he can be completely human, but his father was God, so that he was God and he lived the sinless perfect life all the way through and then he lifted up his body on the cross and died in our place so that he could be our sin sacrifice so that when he raised up we could also be raised up with him Jesus freed us from the grip of sin A man entered a bar, bought a glass of beer, and then immediately threw it into the bartender's face. Quickly grabbing a napkin, he began to dry off the bartender's face, apologizing with great remorse. I'm so sorry. I have this compulsion to do this. I fight it, but I don't know what to do about it. You had better do something about your problem, the bartender replied. And you can be sure I'll remember you and never serve you another drink until you get help. It was months before the man faced the bartender again. He came in, and when he asked for a beer, the bartender refused. The man explained that he had been seeing a psychiatrist and that his problem was solved. 
Convinced that it was now okay to serve him, the bartender poured him a drink. The man took the glass and splashed the beer into the bartender's astonished face. I thought you were cured, the, bar- the shocked bartender screamed. I am, said the man. I still do it, but I don't feel, any- I don't feel guilty about it anymore. Now, when we are entrenched in a habit, when we are entrenched in something, sometimes we can become so entrenched that we don't feel guilty about it anymore. We can come to the place that, that our conscience no longer bothers, bothers us about it because we have become entrenched. Have you ever heard someone, someone addicted to some habit say, Oh, I'm not addicted. I could quit any time if I wanted to. Really, is that so? What they are really saying is, is that they have decided to give up their control to the enslavement of a habit. They have offered themselves to something or someone to obey as a slave. The list of today's taskmasters are very long and familiar. It's different for most every person. And these things don't necessarily have to be bad things. They just have to be powerful enough to control you. What enslaves you? Shopping? Sports? Gambling? Cutting? Pornography? Alcohol? Food? A person or a relationship? Perfectionism? Politics? How about some less considered sins like unchecked anger, gossiping about others, abusing or not taking care of your body, righteous piety, meaning that the things that you do for the Lord, you look down on other people because they don't do it, selfishness. It's an incomplete list, but you get the idea. 1 Corinthians 10.23 in the New Living Translation says this, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. The New Spirit-filled Life Bible brings out a note. It says this, Though we can never say in this life that we are free from all sin, We also should never say, this one sin has defeated me. I give up. The power of Christ's resurrection at work within us is greater than the power of any sin, no matter how long it has been established in our lives. Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If sin is our boss, then eventually we're going to receive a paycheck. And that paycheck is going to be death. It's going to be death here and eventual, eventual eternal death. 
But if Jesus is our boss, and thank God that we now have the power to submit to Jesus and to resist temptation and to live in freedom, then if Jesus is our boss, we live in abundancy and freedom, and we can claim that we are not sin to we are not slave to any sin, but we have been delivered and set free. The evangelist D.L. Moody was invited to preach one Sunday morning and was warned that some of the congregation usually left before the end of of the sermon. So when Moody rose up to begin his message, he announced, I'm going to speak to two classes of people this morning, first to the sinners, then to the saints. He proceeded to address the sinners for a good period of time. Then he said, now all the sinners may leave. And for once, the local pastor shared every member of the congregation stayed to the end of the sermon. Now that's one way to keep the people in the building, right? (laughs) There are only two masters, sin or righteousness. Sin leads to death. Righteousness leads to eternal life. We are not our own masters. We are not our own masters. We we can't say that there is my way. There is no my way. Sorry, Frank Sinatra, right? I can't do it my way. There are only two ways. If it's my way, then it's sin's way. The devil, if we allow him, works with our sinful nature. He suggests and introduces thoughts every day over and over. He tries to get us to believe his lies. And he tries to build up destructive strongholds in our lives. And so then we become... We become ensnared. We become enchained. Not chains on our hands and feet like physical slaves. But we then have invisible chains on our minds and our hearts. This is what Paul was talking about. What he was saying. Because we are all born with a sin nature. It's it's like when you want to do good, you can't do good. And this is what Paul was saying. There's a struggle in us. Because when we want to do good, our sin nature works against us and fights against us in doing the right thing. And Paul said, oh, what a wretched man I am because I want to do what's right, but I can't do what's right. So who will free me from this bondage? Oh, thank God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, he has freed us from this bondage. He has broken the power of sin over our lives. And we are no longer bound. We can be alive to Jesus Christ. We can be alive to the Spirit at work in us. We can follow the way of the Spirit of God. And we can do what is right before we had no power to do it. And today I want to say, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I understand where you're at. I understand you don't have the power to resist sin. But if you have received Jesus Christ, then you are no longer having an excuse to say, I am bound because Christ's resurrected power that he bought with his precious blood is what has freed us and has made us whole. 
So that brings me to my last point. Slave to nothing. Slave to nothing. Romans 6, 12 through 14 in the message translation reads as this. This means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you have been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. I want to be clear today that the devil and Jesus are not equal opposites. We get deceived when we face temptations, overwhelming things in our minds. We, we kind of get that out of balance because they are not equal opposites. Jesus is higher. Jesus is greater. And everything is underneath his feet. And he destroyed the works of the enemy when he canceled our debt, our debt that we owed on the cross. And he made a public spectacle of the enemy. Neil T. Anderson said this, We already have all the power we need because of our position in Christ. Stand in what Jesus has done for you. Stand in what Jesus has won for you. You are in a position. You were not to be underneath the feet of the enemy. You are above. You are seated in heavenly places. You have the mind that is able to think on things above, not things below. You're able. You have the power because God is working through you by the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the story of Dodsey. After eight years of slavery, she was released on September 9th, 2016. She's currently living in freedom and does normal household, household chores at her choosing. She has received psychological care and is training to be a hairdresser. She is being taught how to have financial security and the ways to resist, believe it or not, re-enslavement. The whole point this message and the messages that we bring is to bring you to a point of action. How does this apply to your life? How do we rid ourselves of stubborn sins and addictions? Well, here's some freedom steps. First, come clean with yourself and God. Be fully honest about your condition. And be willing to hear from other people in your life that tell you that you have a problem. Be willing to hear from them. Be honest. And then count the cost. Count the cost. Jesus said this. Count the cost. How badly do you really want to change? How badly do you want it? Because it's going to take everything. It's going to take some things that's going to cost you. You have to really want, you have to really want it. The road to freedom will cost. It will take effort. It will take attention. It will take time. And it will probably take your money. 
But the price of freedom is well worth it. The price of freedom is priceless. It's well worth it to be free, to not live into bondage, to not live enslaved to any habit or addiction. Another thing is, concede that you can't do this on your own. We all need others. We need others. And in this journey to freedom, because it's a journey, it's a process, you will need the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Rely on his help. He's there to help you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He will see you all the way through your process from the beginning to the end. And then the word of God. It's our weapon against the enemy. When we read the word of God, it's our defense, both, both offensively and defensively to, to, um, to shatter the strongholds of the mind, to break off the chains off of our minds. Because you know that addictions and habits, they're really just symptoms of a deeper issue inside of us. Those things that need to be healed, whether it's a deep-seated need for love or it's a deep-seated need of fear. Those things have its roots. So we have to get to the root. And the Holy Spirit is able and it will enable you to get to the root. And then choose to change. Choose to change. Courageously make your choice and then close the door to sin. You're going to have to make that decision. Just like the prodigal, one day he came to his senses and he says, I no longer want to be in the pigsty. So he made a decision and he got up and he made his journey back to the father's house. We have to make a choice. Remember, we are powerful in the sense that we have the choice. We always have a choice. So make that choice to close the door. Ask God to forgive you and cleanse you. And then count your blessings. Humbly worship God for every good thing he's given you and every step of progress you have made. These are steps to freedom. Right now we're going to watch the video of the song, the song from Zach Williams called Slave to Nothing. Show me who I was before Where I fell short Hanging on my head But I'm not the same anymore One thing's for sure The shackles are falling So I'm showing shame to the door Make no mistake, I'm a No more. 
junior high for me was uh, was fun. I enjoyed junior high, but I did not enjoy the um, PE time when we would have to go out there. And um, at that time in the late 70s, early 80s, like we really had PE, okay? I mean, we would have to dress out and everything. And we and and at that time, because of I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, they had these presidential um, fitness awards, and so we would have to um, do certain physical activities in the allotted time. So we had to do um, like 25 sit-ups in the amount of time that was given us. We had to run the mile, and we had to make the time. Otherwise, we would not pass that test. And so it came the day of the mile test, right? And 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 I did not grow up, you know, like running track or anything. So it was kind of hard for me to go out there and make the time. I was one of the slower ones running out there. And so, but I knew I had to make this time, the time. And I was like, ah, this is the day that I have to go and make the time of the mile test, physical test today. Um, but there was one classmate in the seventh grade and she was um, an amazing runner. Like, I don't even know where she came from. Like, I didn't go to elementary school with her, but she could run. She was amazing. Her name was Magdalena Uribe. And so she could just fly around the track. And my PE teacher loved her because she was like her star pupil. And so Magdalena was just awesome. And, and so as we were running that day, and I was running at my slow pace, and here I'm, I'm just trying to finish, right, within the allotted amount of time and I felt someone running alongside of me and then I I hear something saying you can do it come on you can do it you can make it and I was like and I look over and it's Magdalena Uribe She's running alongside of me. And then I feel a hand on my back. And she started pushing me. She started pushing me so that I could do it. I remember the PE teacher getting mad at at Magdalena because it was going to hurt her time. But she didn't care. She kept pushing me and she kept saying, you can do it. And guess what? I did it. I did it. I made it in the allotted amount of time because of her encouragement, because of her belief in me. In fact, I went on to doing really well in running. I started just to pick it up and, and, and I started to be like the third person in after the two miles because of her encouragement. Well, today I want to say to us that the Holy Spirit is here. He's been ministering since the beginning of the service. And he's been saying to you, you can do it. Through my empowerment, you can make it. This bondage that has been in your life, this thing that you don't like and you want to get rid of it, but you've had no power to get rid of it. He's saying today, you can do it. You can do it. You were meant for freedom. You were meant for victory. You were meant to be more than a conqueror, not a slave to sin. You were meant to overcome. That's what Paul calls us. Exceedingly great overcomers. That's who we are in our new identity. And today, I'm going to invite us up to come and take action.
and to solidify this word in your, your heart and your mind. You're not here by accident today. You are not here by accident. God has ordained you to be here. And he wants to work in your life. He wants to say, you can do this. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. God, I thank you that you've called us to be a slave to nothing. Lord, you don't want us to be enslaved, Lord. You don't want anything else to be our reward, Lord, or our joy. You want to be our exceedingly great reward. You want you to be our fountain, our source of life and fulfillment. That's what you want. That, because that's what works and that is what is what we really need. And so, Lord, today I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, would you just move in this place? Would you just begin to fill, to fill, fill, fill up people? Would you just begin to move in power and might in this place? I call on the mighty name of Jesus in this place to deliver and set free. That today you would have your way. That this day would mark the day that the door is closed. And there is a yellow line across it. There's a, there's a, a yellow line that says no, no trespassing. God, I pray. I pray, oh God, that you would deliver in this place today. Today I'm going to open up the altar. And I've also felt to just have a call for healing. So if you've been struggling in your body with any type of, of pain... I just felt like um, if there, there was someone today that has pain in your neck, like a stiff neck, that today God is going to touch you. He's going to, by his power, by his goodness, he's going to touch you and heal you. If there's someone here, if, if you're dealing with any type of physical problem, I'm going to invite you up. And also I'm going to invite you up if you're saying, I want more of God. I need more of him in my life. I'm, I, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungering and thirsting after righteousness. I want more of him in my life. I don't want to just live a mundane, mediocre Christian walk. I want to go further. I want to go further. He's calling you out today. He wants to meet you where you're at. So I invite you this morning. There are people who will pray with you. You can come up now. Thank you, Jesus.